Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Well, I have a very rare interview for you today. Now, you've heard Peter Schweitzer on other shows. I know that. He's one of our last true investigative journalists with his newest book, Red Handed, how American elites get rich helping China win. It's a shocking and detailed story. And I believe I brought things out in this interview that you will not hear anywhere else. I guarantee you, you're not going to hear the questions I ask asked by Sean Hannity. Peter Schweitzer, what a book, Red Handed, Profiles and Corruption, Clinton Cash, Peter Schweitzer. I don't know how you do it. You're the last investigative reporter in America. And boy, are we in trouble. I was going through the book, Peter, and we're going to talk about the big marquee names. Obviously, the big guy in the White House, it looks like a crime family to me. Let's start with him. Is it as bad as you say? Or are, And I'm going to take the other side, because every time Peter Schweitzer publishes a book, they say he's just a right wing guy. But you've gone after both left and right, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I mean, there's plenty of Republicans and Democrats in the book. Um, and, you know, you have to follow the facts where the facts go. I don't think there are right wing facts or left wing facts. <laughs> and the bottom line is the bottom line is when you look at the Biden family, um, there there are certain facts that are unassailable that have not been challenged. Uh, number one, that the Biden family got multiple deals in China. Um, these total up to thirty one million dollars. That's not my number. That's based on the numbers of the deals themselves. And number two, uh, what I but point what, out what did in the they book, get the 31 million. But but Peter, your book is astounding. It's full of facts. It's documented, red handed. In a normal country, if this was Sweden, Denmark, Norway, the country that the countries that the liberals seem to keep telling us we should be like, how long would the leader of the country stay in office? Well, they wouldn't be in office long. And Michael, look, you and I are both enough to, old enough to remember the uh, the Cold War. I mean, I mean, imagine if Jimmy Carter's family or Ronald Reagan's family was doing deals with Russian businessmen tied to the highest levels of the KGB. I mean, there'd be alarm bells going off around Washington D.C. That's essentially what the Bidens have done. Um, they got thirty-one million dollars in a series of deals, and we trace back who actually made those deals happen. We used the Hunter Biden laptop emails, and we used emails from uh, one of Hunter's business partners who gave us access to his, his account. And every single one of those deals traces back to somebody with linked to the highest levels of Chinese in intelligence, including the vice minister in charge of, of the Ministry of State Security in charge of foreign espionage, and the family of the former director of the Ministry of State Security who runs the entire spy apparatus. These are the people that made it rain, so to speak, for the Bidens and got them tens of millions of dollars in China. Well, what did they get the $31 million for? 
<laughs> uh, it's a great question. There's no discernible evidence. You know, one of the guys that uh, uh, helped Hunter uh, get part of a $20 million deal is a guy named Che Fang. Hunter in the email calls him the super chairman. That's kind of his nickname. Mm. And in one of the emails, Michael, he says, I don't believe in the lottery anymore, but I believe in the super chairman. Uh, the point being was, I think Hunter knew that he wasn't going to be expected to do anything. He was just looking for a payoff for a payday. Um, but, and that's you know, the, everything they accused Trump of doing. He didn't do. And everything that they accused Trump of doing, they are doing. Isn't that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at what was uh, what was uh, everyone was hyperventilating about in 2016, 2017, that that uh, Hunter, sorry, that uh, Donald Trump was going to do a hotel deal in Moscow, you know, right. Of course, there was no money that changed hands, but also Hunter, sorry, Donald Trump is <laughs> in the hotel business is what he does. Right. Hunter Biden's getting this money yes. um, and, and he yeah. has no skill set whatsoever. All right. So they said there was Russia collusion, which there wasn't, but there's China collusion with regard to the Bidens, Feinstein, uh, um, Pelosi, but you say that it goes well beyond that. Silicon Valley gurus, Wall Street high rollers, Ivy League universities, professional athletes, all tripping over themselves to sacrifice American strength and security on the altar of personal enrichment in order to benefit what is apparently our arch enemy now, communist China. All true? Yep, absolutely. The biggest names, uh, you know, Bill Gates, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the Google guys, uh, all of them um, are doing things related to China that it's not an understatement to say are aiding and abetting China's challenge to the United States. So you look so, at a guy like know, Bill Gates, I, what I'm Microsoft, worried about, Peter Schweitzer, the book is astounding. Do we still have an opposition party in America or are they all compromised? Left, right, center, Republican. I call them Republicans for 40 years, Democrats for 40 years. It's a one party system to me. It seems that we are naked and afraid to use a metaphor from that geo. America seems so vulnerable right now. Or, or am I over paranoid about where we stand with regard no. to China? No, no. I think, look, there are precious few people uh, that have not bought into this, that have not uh, got sweetheart deals, especially in leadership positions. There are some backbenchers that are good. But, you know, Mitch McConnell in, is in the book. Uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi, as you mentioned, tell the me about Mitch is, McConnell. My my intuitive knowledge of Mitch when when I heard about this was that his wife comes from a Taiwanese shipping family, and they would benefit in that regard. Is there more to it than that? Yeah, I mean, they basically uh, let the, help the business explode. I mean, it was a small business. Mitch and uh, um, uh, Elaine Chow got married, and then Mitch went to Beijing with his father-in-law in 1994. Oh. He, of course, this is right after Tiananmen Square. They're isolated. He shows up as a U.S. senator, and that begins the cooperation between the Chinese State Shipbuilding Corporation <laughs> and the McConnell Chow family. <laughs> and so we're at the point today. We're at the point today where literally um, all of their ships are being built on mainland China. The financing of those ships, which can be hundreds of millions of dollars, is being arranged by Chinese state banks. Oh, my God. The crews of the ships are all Chinese, arranged <laughs> by the Chinese government. And the vast majority of the contracts are them shipping Chinese state enterprise goods across Asia. So they could literally destroy 
the McConnell Chow family business overnight if they chose to. Instead, they have chosen, of course, to make them very, very rich. Peter, I, re- I used to joke on the radio years ago that one day I will wake up and the corrupt administration, whichever might be in power at the time, would have outsourced the construction of our naval battleships and submarines to China. How far fetched is that? It's not really far fetched <laughs> at all. I mean, you look at the you look at the big tech firms. Um, I have a whole chapter on it. Um, Microsoft, Google, they are all sponsoring and supporting research and in artificial intelligence in China uh, that is being done at laboratories linked to the Chinese military. Um, so then, and then we'll hear about it. Next, we'll hear about an AI virus that escapes from the lab and infects all of our computers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and then you've got you've got Bill Gates. I talk about in the book. He invested in a company called BYD that what does it do? It, it creates guidance systems for the uh, Chinese uh, missiles. Oh, um, this is Bill Gates is investing oh, in it. So don't they have children got and huge, huge problems. But Peter, don't these people have children and grandchildren that they worry about? I mean, let's make it a human question. This is what I've asked over and over again. Pelosi has grandchildren. Doesn't she think about the danger she's putting them in? Or are they so drunk on power and so greedy that they're blinded by this power and greed madness? I, you know, I think that's part of it. I think some of them, Michael, and I quote him in the book, uh, they have sort of a quasi admiration for the Chinese system. You know, they'll talk about how, you know, Elon Musk, for example, yeah. talks about how efficient the Chinese system is. Uh, he talks about how uh, it's more responsive to the needs of its citizens than the American oh, God. system is. So, you know, you, they don't they don't necessarily see this. Uh, they don't see the brutality. So they don't uh, and, care. And they, the like, they like they like they like the repression of the uh, the uh, untouchables. Or the the the, the deplorables well, think, rather they like they like yeah. the repression of the Chinese deplorables by the government apparently. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they would say that or admit that, but the implication of them praising the regime and saying, you know, uh, Bill Gates uh, talks about how President Xi works so hard on behalf of the Chinese people oh, to improve their lives. Well, they said that. Why about would Hitler. you say that? I used to, I used to read. Yeah. I was reading about Hitler. They said he worked so hard on the. On behalf of the German people, he never slept. He was up all night on cocaine, on, uh, on methamphetamine, thinking about the German people. Yep. 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 No, I mean, this is this is a huge, huge problem. And the thing is that when they go on uh, television and they do interviews, they never, ever, ever get asked about the outrageous things they've said about Beijing or about their financial Well, we wouldn't ties. expect uh, that from Wolf Blitzer, would we? We'll be back with more of this amazing interview right after this. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Dish Weiss's book's been all over the map. I'm sure many of you have heard the interviews that he's done before on big, big names, Fox News, you name it. But the thing is that Peter and I have talked before with his earlier books, and I want to ask questions that I think would be unique to this podcast. So let's start with the headlines. Your book is red handed. It's a bestseller as it should be. And the headlines are amazing. ABC News confirms Peter Schweitzer's Biden expose on family corruption involving son-in-law Howard Krein. Chinese elites have paid some 31 mil to Hunter and the Bidens. New York Post. Breitbart revealed Senator Feinstein's husband partly owned the Chinese company that sold spyware to U.S. military. Biden family planned to share office space with company employing spy chief of China. 
Red handed reveals Chinese donations to the University of Pennsylvania sort after Biden's center announcement. How big techs are helping China achieve global supremacy. Many stories all over the country. But what changes can we expect when we have both parties sold out? What are we going to do, Peter? We're well, the citizens. We're sitting here naked and afraid. Yeah. And uh, the question is, we have a fundamental choice. Um, are we going to accept this or are we, we going to do something about it? And I have a, a final chapter in the book where I talk about some of the things that we can do. Um, and, and part of that, when it comes to these corporations, you know, Google and, and, and you know, Facebook and others, um, we need to be going to shareholder meetings. There are groups that are starting to do this, but we need to go to shareholder meetings where you stand in front of the CEO and you call them out. You call them out. Yeah, and right. And then the, the FBI will claim. declare you. Wait, but then the FBI will declare you a domestic <laughs> terrorist as they do school board parents at school board meetings. <laughs> well, Apparently, anyone who disagrees, yeah, I mean, look, with, anyone who disagrees with the program is now a domestic terrorist to Biden's goon squad. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there, there's no question there are risks to doing this, but we have to call it out because this is the Chinese strategy. The Chinese strategy is what they call elite capture. They don't want to go head to head with the United States and they don't need to. What they need to do is just basically co-opt enough of the political class in Washington, the big tech in Silicon Valley and Wall Street. And once they do that, they basically lobotomize the United States to the point that we can't resist. So we have no choice. This is about the future of the country. And this is about whether we are going to maintain some semblance of sovereignty. Uh, going forward. And, and, and the bottom line is, is we have the power to do that. We need to call these people out. We need to share the information with other people and we need to hold them into account. You know, in your book, we, we know the big name, the, the marquee names, the Biden, Feinstein, Pelosi. And I want to get to that. But this is alarming. You have a chapter on Senator Max Baucus of Montana. And um, he then went on to a lucrative career helping Chinese firms. And uh, when Trump came to power, he gave a speech not against Beijing after the China virus spread into America. He went after Trump and he said, China. Yep. He said this. You write about the segment was about how President Trump is continuing to blame China for the coronavirus outbreak and how China is fighting back. And Bacchus said this in your book, page 179, Joe McCarthy and Adolf Hitler rallied people up, making people believe things that were really not true. He said on May 12, 2020, the White House and some in Congress are making statements against China that are so over the top and so hypercritical. They are based not on the fact or if they are based on fact, sheer demagoguery. And that's what McCarthy did in the 1950s. And then he went on to attack Trump. Is that why they all hated Trump is because he actually wanted to stop some of this? Yeah, I mean, look, Trump was an earthquake as far as U.S. Uh, Chinese relations were concerned. We've been told for the last 30 years by elites from both political party, whether it's Bill Clinton or the George W. Bush administration, that if we just trade, give technology access to the Chinese, they're going to become more like us. Uh, and in fact, that didn't happen. They become more oppressive. What has happened is, in some respects, we've become more like them. Um, and Trump changed that and disrupted that. He called it out. He said, look, um, this is not the approach we need to take. It's not working. We need to challenge China. Part of that was tariffs. Part of that was the military. Part of that was calling out China for some of its conduct. Uh, and they clearly didn't like it. And you mentioned there uh, former Senator Baucus. He had been the U.S. ambassador to China 
under Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. He left that post. And what did he do? He signed up as a consultant to a bunch of Chinese companies. Somebody else who, who attacked Trump um, while he was in the White House and criticized him for sort of anti-Chinese sentiment was Neil Bush. We'll be right back with more of my interview with Peter Schweitzer and his great book, Red Handed, right after this. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. We're back with the great investigative reporter, Peter Schweitzer. Peter, I'm in that chapter now, the Bush and Trudeau dynasties in your book, Red Handed. And, you know, the the first President Bush was a sort of hero of mine. I mean, I loved his record in World War. I I admire. I looked up to him. He looked like a real honest to God American leader to me. Not so much the son who I thought was a completely different type of personality without knocking him any more than I, I, I should. The truth is the father seemed like the real deal. Was he? Well, I think he probably was. The problem is that the family in general, meaning his brother, Prescott Bush, while his while George H.W. Bush was president and when he was vice president, uh, went to China and he opened up shop and he had access to the highest levels of the Chinese government, because after all, his brother was first vice president and then president of the United States. Um, and this this became kind of a family pattern. And China loves this. They love having sort of multi-generational relationships with political families because that's kind of how things work in China. And so then George W. Bush becomes president in 2001. Prescott Bush again goes back to Beijing, uh, signs new deals. But then Neil Bush, a new generation, enters the stage. He uh, gets a million dollars a year advising a computer company in China that was founded by Zhang Zemin, the son of the premier of China. Wait, wait. Uh, Neil, course, Bush not is, Neil Bush is Neil Bush is who related to who? This is George W. Bush's brother, brother. Got George it. George W. Okay. Bush's brother. OK, yes. got it. Not he qu- is well, not, not quite like Hunter Biden, but a brother, not a son. Exactly. Exactly. A slightly different relationship, obviously. But again, the principle is the same. China wants these kind of relationships. They cultivate them. And so Neil's getting a million dollars a year of advising a computer company that's founded by the, the premier's son in China and no evidence that Neil has any background in computers. And today he runs this uh, uh, this entity that is sort of the Bush Center for U.S.-China relations. Um and he goes on China State Television talking about how, you know, in the United States, we misunderstand, uh, you know, how human rights are handled in Hong Kong. And I mean, he's become a complete apologist for the for the Chinese government. And he's got a slew of deals with, uh, you know, politically connected Chinese businessmen. Um, and it's completely undermined the family. So it's always hard. You can't, I think, hold the, 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 the father um, completely responsible for the, the, the sins of the son. Um, uh-huh. What is different with the Bidens and the Bushes is in, in the Biden case, as we point out, uh, we have now traced and shown that that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden had um, finances that were intermingled, that Hunter was using money from the foreign deals to pay his father's bills um, while he was vice president of the United States. So, you know, in the case of the Bushes, I don't think we have that. But we certainly have that in the case of the Bidens, that, that Joe Biden was a beneficiary of these deals. Peter, here's, here's a, a kind of off the wall question. I won't say stupid question. I remember when President Bush the first went to China on one of his major trips. I know it sounds absurd, almost childish. Do you remember when he threw up at a state meeting? Yeah. Vomited? I do. 
I do I'm, remember I'm that. Yeah, it, 1989. Right. I'm bringing it up not because I think it was funny, but because I thought it was odd. Do you think they poisoned him? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I think they liked uh, I, I think they liked the senior Bush. He, of course, had been the uh, U.S. representative in Beijing. He had a lot of friends. So, I mean, it's certainly possible. Um, but I think that they you know, were very happy with sort of the Bush policy. They've always had kind of a soft spot for Beijing. And, you know, it's important to point out, I know you said it before, Michael. I mean, the problem here is the Beijing regime. It's not the Chinese people. The people are, are in, a, in a sense, really the biggest victims of this regime. It's this communist regime and the fact that elites in the United States want to be cozy with them because it creates commercial opportunities. You're talking about Trudeau in Canada, who is a, a worshiper of Fidel Castro. He's an all around. Yep. He's an all around leftist scum. As far as I'm concerned, when the truckers went on their little strike last week, they took him to out of the country and hit him somewhere because he was afraid of truckers standing up uh, to the jab. He actually admired um, the dictatorship in China. Trudeau, yeah. as a young member of parliament in your book, said there's a level of admiration I actually have for China because their basic dictatorship is allowing them to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to invest in solar. I mean, there's flexibility. We must dream about having a dictatorship that our prime minister can do everything he wanted. And I find that very interesting. So we have a man nakedly, Trudeau, nakedly worshiping the communist Chinese dictatorship, running a beautiful country like Canada into the ground. How does this happen? How does this happen, Peter, in, in Canada? How did it happen in America? Is it all the media? Is it the media or what? It's, it's the fact that the media is uh, not a watchdog. It's a lapdog. It's also the fact that China has been very shrewd. You're not going to have people make this a partisan issue because people on both sides of the aisle um, are involved in deals in China. So, you know, in the United States, Mitch McConnell doesn't want to bring up the Bidens because if he does, fingers going to be pointed at his family's relationship yes. with Beijing. Same thing in Canada. So, you know, they've been brilliant about it. The question and the challenge that I pose at the end of the book is say, look, you know, and I mentioned there, there, there are some people uh, on the Republican Party and the Democratic Party who are good on China in both parties. The question is, are we going to rise up um, in, a, in a position of unity and call people out regardless of what political party they're from? Democrats need to call out Biden. Republicans need to call out McConnell uh, and challenge this, because if we don't, we're sunk. We are absolutely sunk because the decisions that are being made in Washington right now, China declared in 2012 under Xi that they are in a race with the United States, that technology is a national weapon, and that if they achieve superiority in technology, they will have the quote-unquote commanding heights in the competition with the United States. So that's the stakes, and they have decided that they want to supplant the United States and become the the most important superpower in the world and use that power accordingly. So the question is, are we going to do anything about it or are we going to allow our leaders, many of whom have lucrative deals with China, are we going to allow them to drift along and pretend like this is not going on? And that's really, you know, this is like Paul Revere saying the British are coming. Are we going to come out of our homes and form the Continental Army or are we just going to shrug our shoulders uh, and let Paul Revere keep writing? That's well, we, really saw the what happened when a few, we saw what happened when a few good people stood up. There are several hundred of them in the basement 
uh, of the uh, Congress right now. I'm you know, I don't know much about that story. There's 370 prisoners being kept in the basement prison of Congress for the so-called January 6th insurrection. Isn't there a, a writ of habeas corpus in this country? Yeah, I mean, I would I would think so. And, you know, my view on this has always been, you know, the 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 charges that are, you know, sort of brought up insurrection or these sort of vague kind of charges are really, really dangerous. I mean, I get it. If a guy goes up and hits a cop, um, whether they're doing it in Portland and they're with Antifa or whether it's somebody that's at the U.S. Capitol building on January 6th, I think they ought to be charged equally accordingly. It's these vague claims about, you know, insurrection or these political crimes that, that are a massive, huge problem. And again, you know, individual rights should matter in terms of, you know, how long these people are being detained and, and how the issues are being handled. And we seem to very clearly have a, a two-tier system of justice because you've got people that were trying to burn down a federal courthouse in Portland, Oregon, right. who have not been charged. Right. Um, and then you've got people that trespass on the Capitol and the book is being thrown at them. And it's just not consistent at all. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back on the Savage Nation podcast. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. We are talking with Peter Schweitzer, investigative reporter extraordinaire. We have a corrupt, degenerate media. There's a guy named Scarborough who was always a snake and a weasel and not that smart, who actually slammed the Canadian truckers for protesting the vax mandates, calling them a cult. If you can believe that, this lowlife Scarborough calls the truckers a cult because they stood up to the vax mandate. You've got junkie musicians threatening to leave Spotify because Joe Rogan had a great doctor on who I had on this podcast, by the way. Great doctor, highly credentialed, who raised questions about the vaccines. And you got these junkie musicians who are actually functioning like they do in China. They want total and absolute. It's a nazification of the American media. I've never seen anything happen so quickly in my life. And I don't know how long this podcast can last because I've always been a a truth teller. How about you? I mean, Peter, remember you were on when I was on the radio, your last book. I asked you, do you I asked you at the time, do you fear for your security? Remember what you said to me at all? (laughs) I'm not sure I do. Well, let's let's avoid that. But the thing is, we're not living in a free society anymore. It's become so draconian. It's become so draconian. You know, I had a major publisher who published five of my books were bestsellers one after the other. They fired my editor and another lady editor at the company because they didn't want to do any more, quote, conservative books. How you got published at all by the great publisher Harper, which did some of my books years ago, is amazing because they're all turning on conservative books. You talk about censorship. I did trickle trickle up poverty and trickle down tyranny with Harper. I love the company at the time. Then I went on to Hachette. But you got this book published by a major, but that's not many left like that, right? Yeah, you've got to have uh, courageous editors um, and you have to realize, like you said, that um, people want to squelch debate. And to me, that's always a sign of weakness, intellectual weakness. If, if you cannot uh, get in the arena and debate and argue facts, um, what you do is you try to silence. So you've got people that are intellectually weak 
who want to silence debate, but they actually have a lot of real power, which allows them to squelch debate. And that's a dangerous, dangerous conversation. And what we need, Michael, you've talked about this before. What we need is we need actual traditional liberals. I'm not talking about progressives. I'm not talking about left wingers. I'm talking about traditional liberals who may be liberal on issues, but recognize the value of open debate. Uh, they need to rise up. Now, I don't know how many of them are left. Um, there are certainly some, but they need to rise up because if they're not prepared to rise up and say this is not acceptable, um, a free speech in America is, is going to continue to dwindle. And it's going to reach the point where uh, people are going to all find a, a source of information uh, that is theirs. And we're not going to be able to have a national conversation. And that's kind of what we need to have. Right. If we're going to debate uh, uh, you know, vaccine mandates. Uh, we need to actually have conversations between people to disagree on those issues. And if you're not allowed to even have that debate, um, you're not going to be able to resolve anything. And it makes people, I think, more bitter, more frustrated, more angry and less trustworthy of their government, which they should be. But, you know, you took a look at the newspapers, take the New York Post. Once in a while, I have a good hard hitting story. Otherwise, here's a picture. Rihanna pregnant with her boyfriend wearing disgusting jewelry. This is what they publish day and night pictures of of singers who are pregnant or showing the, you know, their bodies one way or another. If you have a media that's so controlled by so few, right? How do we have a chance to survive it? Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. We're back with the great investigative reporter, Peter Schweitzer. You know, in your book, Peter, which is astounding. I have to keep saying, I'm not saying it just because you're on the, on the, uh, on the podcast here, red-handed Peter Schweitzer, your books are one after the other, like blockbuster. Amazing. I haven't gotten to Pelosi. I'm saving this for the end and Feinstein because I live here. I have watched these dragon ladies destroy this city and this state for all the years I've lived here, which is since 1975 or four. This was once one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's why I moved here. I found freedom here. I, I found, found the freedom. I was able to develop anything I wanted to be here. I was able to develop a great career, raise a family here. The University of California was once the best in the country. We had the best schools in the country. And then I saw these two dragon ladies who have been in power far too long because they have destroyed any opposition party in the country, as in China. It's a one-party system in California. And I look at Feinstein and I see the stories about her husband partly owning a Chinese company that sold the American military equipment that allowed China to spy on U.S. service member. What's his name? What's Feinstein's husband's name again? Richard Blum. Richard Blum. Richard Blum. And then uh, Pelosi has a wonderful hedge fund husband who we all know about insider trading, the accusations. Have they done business with China as well, uh, Madam Pelosi? Absolutely. Um, you know, Nancy Pelosi, early in her congressional career, used to be pretty critical of China. She famously uh, wait, wait, in the early I, 90s sorry, went wait, to- Bing, a bell just went off. I just last week released a tape from 1998 that my production people found in my archives. I've been looking for it for a year. She was on uh -huh. my radio show critical of China supporting Taiwan. Yep. And, and yep. I said to her, uh, Congresswoman Pelosi, thank you for being with us. I know we disagree on most everything else, 
but we agree on China. And she, you can't believe this tape, Peter. She was a rational. <laughs> she was a rational yep. politician at the time. Yep. What's happened since yep. 1998? She was. Yep, she was. She used to be very, uh, she went to Tiananmen Square and unfurled a banner criticizing human rights in China. And the police <laughs> came and took the banner away. I mean, this is what she used to do. And then her husband, uh, Paul Pelosi, started doing deals in China. He uh, became an investor partner in a, in a fund that uh, he had $10 million invested in. Um, got a million dollars a year in revenue from, uh, and that was invested in mainland China companies. Um, the big turn seems to have occurred at the 2008 Olympics. You remember Beijing was hosting those Olympics, and Pelosi initially came out and was in favor of the boycott, saying we need to boycott this. We shouldn't allow China to hold them. Then her husband, who owned two limousine companies, <laughs> got contracts to ferry VIPs around for the Beijing Olympics in China. And she changed her position. She said, no, I'm not in favor of boycott anymore. I think that's the wrong approach. Um, that seems to have been the turn in 2008. Then you get that uh, the big investment deal. Then her son, Paul Pelosi Jr., links up with several companies, a natural resources company, an energy company. I named them in the book. They're trying to cut massive deals in China. He's spending all kinds of time over in Beijing. And now we have Nancy Pelosi, you know, where she is today. And she'll occasionally say some things that oh, yeah. are critical. Of, yeah, she, of, of throws kind of, but, she throws a bone every once in a while. I, I've seen her do it. That's her game. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is important for people to understand. I mean, Beijing has a, uh, a a strategy that they're quite open about. It came from from the Maoist era and applies today. Loosely translated to English, it means big help with a little bad mouth. And what it basically means is, you know, if you want to talk about the Uyghurs a little bit, that's fine. If you want to talk about human rights, that's fine. As long as the big things that we really want, you support, which means access to Western capital, access to Western society, and access to our technology, they don't really care if you pop them for the Uyghurs every once in a while. And Nancy Pelosi knows that. And that's why she'll pay lip service to it, but Beijing's very happy because on the main important things that matter the most to them, she is in lockstep. Well, I ha you have a whole chapter here in Red Hand about the Pelosi's. Feinstein is the most worrisome to me. What was that rumor yeah. about her having a having had a Chinese spy driving her for a number of years? Is that true? Well, he was uh, he was a driver and he was also an administrative aide. He worked for her for decades um, <laughs> in the FBI. The FBI um, came to her and said, look, we believe that this guy is working for a Chinese intelligence. She's kind of denied it, uh, but he was let go from his job. But Nancy, uh, sorry, uh, Diane Feinstein, um, I think, is the worst. And I think you're right to um, finger her as the one that's most troubling. She was the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Oh, God. And her husband, her husband was doing $100 million oh. plus deals in China at the time. But and you have this it, bizarre Peter, situation. Peter, what sane nation on earth permits this to go on for as long as it's gone on? This is not one year. This is not two years. Right. This is not five years. Right. This is not 10 years. Feinstein has been doing this from the day she arrived on the political scene. I remember her as a corrupt mayor in this city. I remember how she ruined yep. this city from the day she started. But nothing's happened. Nothing will happen. Yep. 
And that's because the other party is just as corrupt, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's it's look, the, the parties are corrupt. I still think there are good people uh, that that are running for office that we need to support. And the biggest problem we have, Michael, is that people make excuses. You know, if they're conservative Republicans, even if there's somebody who's corrupt on their side, they'll make excuses for them. Same thing with liberal Democrats. Well, I get this. We can't do that. Anymore. If, if, uh, Peter, listen, if I criticize anyone in the media who happens to be a favorite of, let's say they overlap to listening to me, they say, you're not being loyal. We've all got to stick together. I said, are you crazy? What do you think that we're a team that meets for drinks every night? You don't understand <laughs> that most of the people in the media who pretend to be your friends and pretend to be conservative, they're just like Mitch McConnell. They're in it for the for the money and they could care less about uh, America. But I'm not here to knock anyone before you leave. And I know you got a very busy schedule. I have to go on to my dear, revered I don't call him a friend as a joke. I never remember Henry Kissinger and the other diplomats. The book is a shocker. You have a whole chapter on the yeah. corrupt diplomats, and I'm using the word corrupt. You're not leading the parade is old Hank Kissinger, the go go dancer. Old happy Hank. <laughs> happy Hank yeah. used to be seen at Studio 54. Happy Hank, the party animal. But then there's John Brennan, who served as CIA director under Obama. Uh, apparently, he's cashed in. Madeline Halfbright, another wonderful prize of humanity. Alexander Haig, who I admired, great military officer, yep. government official, supreme allied commander of NATO, yep. Reagan's secretary of state. The minute he left public service, he joined the ranks of those working for Chinese government backed companies. I can't believe this. Him, too. He worked for yep. Costco, yep. China Ocean Shipping Company. Yes. He was an advisor. And, you know, you can look back at, you know, the 1980s, let's say, or, or let's say early, up to the early 1990s. And you could say, OK, look, China at the time was kind of a you know third world country. Yep. It wasn't much of a threat. I'll cut those people a little bit more slack, although I still think they're cashing in. It's a problem. But once you start getting forward to the late 1990s, it becomes really clear that China is, is going to challenge the United States and that that's their goal. And at that point, it becomes uh, you know inexcusable to me. And Madeleine Albright is a is a, pri a prime example. You know, Secretary of State in the Clinton administration, she leaves and set, sets up um, her consultancy. Forty percent of uh, her staff now are based in China, um, and their job is to you know help American companies you know, in China, but, but really what matters is they've got to have great relationships with the Chinese government to help their clients. And so when Madeleine Albright has gone on cable news and, you know, advised and opined on China, she's always, always generally very friendly. Occasionally she'll still express concerns about human rights violations, but yeah, right. she's not going to say anything they negative. Care. They could care less. All they yeah. care about is the, is the, is the, uh, is the wire transfers at the end of the month. Peter, you mentioned yeah. several yeah. other diplomats that are shocking to me, and some of them were revered Americans. But you know what? A lot of this reminds me of after World War Two, we kept hearing that Henry Ford built trucks for Hitler right up until World War Two. Isn't isn't that true? Yeah, there were the reports about them, uh, about Ford. There were reports about um, other companies that, uh, you know, IBM and other companies that had. And the same thing with the with the Bolsheviks early on. Uh, there was people on Wall Street and uh, Armand ha um, Armand Hammer. Armand Hammer was a big, big supporter yeah. of the Bolsheviks. But, you know, you talk about we kept hearing 
Oh, Ford built trucks for Hitler. He built a factory in Germany that built trucks for Hitler leading up to World War Two. To me, this is akin to what I'm reading in your book. Uh, red handed. All these people that you mentioned are basically not only building roads to the gas chamber, but they're building the gas chambers themselves. Yeah, and, and uh, they're also building the weapons that are pointed at us. I mean, that's that's the thing that that, you know, some people will say, look, I I you know, I'm feel bad for what's going on with the Uyghurs and people in China, but that's way around the world. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. It does affect you because China said their goal is to surpass us, to defeat us in the international stage. And um, that's really going to affect you and your children. And unless we do something about this, they are going to win this race because they're getting helped by the brightest minds in Wall Street and Silicon Valley and elsewhere. I think they've won already in a way. You know, you also mentioned a guy I've always detested. He made me sick. He t- every time I saw him as a human, I knew who he was. And that's William Cohen, the former Republican senator yep. from Maine, the man who established the Cohen Group to advise an international trade with China. Cohen has always struck me as a weasel. Every time he ever spoke, I felt that I was going to break out into a sweat. Over the <laughs> years, he has worked with China. And you said that his company has grown to include a pantheon of former military officers, including former Secretary of Defense James Mattis, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Joseph Ralston. The roster of professionals that worked for Cohen doing China's bidding run the gamut from the Department of Defense, State Department, White House Department of Homeland Security to intelligence uh, community. What chance do we the people have when these people like Kissinger, Albright, Cohen, Pelosi, Feinstein, you name it, every last one of them is sold out to China. How can we the people hope to ever survive this? Well, we we have to fight. We don't have a choice. Look, it, it may be that the odds are overwhelming. I think they are. It may be uh, that we are in the bottom of the seventh inning and, and uh, you know, we're ending the we're approaching the end of the game. But we have no choice to fight for this. I mean, the only other choice is just to succumb to it and accept it. And I'm not prepared to do that for well, my no, children. If we, and, if, we, if we succumb to it, we're living in communist China here in America, but we're only a hair breath away. Exactly. From it. But we're only a hair breath away from it. I think you'd agree with me with. With this character, you know, I've called it the, the um, Biden crime family for a few months now, and it's worried me to even say it because, you know, those are not just words. How far away are we from targeted assassinations as they have in Mexico amongst those who are critical of the Mexican corrupt narco state? How far away are we from this is like a narco state in this country right now by what I'm hearing and reading your book. Well, yes, you're 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 dealing with a situation where elites are they have tied their political and financial fortunes to this idea that we are supposed to continue to allow China to conduct itself this way. The whole issue of the covid uh, virus, you know, we know it came from China. There's a lot of strong evidence it came from a laboratory leak. Yes. Nancy Pelosi, as Speaker of the House for two years now, has refused for there to even be a hearing on Capitol Hill to even discuss do, do they the notion. Make, do they make uh, the ice cream? Do they make the ice cream she is said to love? Do they make the ingredients <laughs> in China? Do, do the pistachio nuts come from from some region of China? 
<laughs> well, and remember, Joe Biden likes ice cream too. So they're they're they're. Okay, so ice cream there. runs through the the, the the ice cream runs through all of this, huh? And the natural ingredients <laughs> come from China. Maybe the pine nuts come from the northern Chinese forests. Well, Peter, you know, at least we can laugh with each other, and I think I think that that's a positive thing that you you're able to get a book like this, Red Handed, even published. We'll play the second part of this informative, important interview on our next podcast. This was part one of this very special interview with Peter Schweitzer. Thank you for continuing to support the Michael Savage podcast. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.